Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about the potential cancellation of the 2020 college football season and a new offer for Syracuse basketball. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is our great friend from ESPN.com, college football writer Andrea Adelson. Andrea, thanks so much for coming on the program. I believe it's our eighth year of having you on. Always a pleasure to speak to you. How are you today? I am trying to keep track of all the college football news, which has kept me off my toes. <laughs> and Andrea, we'll get you started on this one. Before we start in on talking about college football, let's talk about you for a moment. What has it been like for you as a national college football writer working during this pandemic? Well, you know, I always used to say headed into every college football offseason, there's no such thing as an offseason anymore because it feels like there's always something happening. But this offseason in particular would be the poster child for that motto. Even though there hasn't really been uh, practice until recently, the news doesn't slow down. In fact, it's only – gone faster and faster despite the fact that uh, there are no real decisions yet about whether there's going to be a season and the stories develop so rapidly you almost feel like you can't leave your phone for a minute or you can't step away from your laptop for a minute because you might miss a call you might miss a tweet you might miss an email and so we have certainly uh, been following all of the developments while probably getting uh, as little sleep as possible uh, this off season. Well, I hope you get some rest after we record this podcast. And Andrea, last week the ACC released their updated conference schedule that features 10 ACC games with Notre Dame as a league team and one non-ACC game in an effort to curb the spread of COVID-19. What did you think of this move? And are we even going to get to see football at all this fall? I hope we get to see it. I don't know if we're going to get to see it, but um, if there is a season, I think this was the right decision the ACC made. I have been talking for years about getting rid of divisions. Uh, I think we've probably talked about it on this podcast. And so when you look at the breakdown of this schedule, getting rid of the divisions, obviously incorporating Notre Dame into it, even though it's temporary, to me provides uh, the most compelling schedule in ACC history. Um, and I think does nothing but elevate the ACC. But you know, the interesting thing is because it's so heavily uh, focused on the conference uh, and because nearly every team in the conference is probably only uh, a, a few different degrees away from being bunched together beyond Clemson. Uh, I, when I started to sit down to do win-loss records for teams, uh, everybody was within a win or two from each other beyond Clemson and, and Notre Dame. And I think that just speaks to where the ACC is right now. So I hope we get to see this season. Um, I think it's a great schedule. I think getting Notre Dame into the mix is terrific. 
Uh, now let's keep our fingers crossed that there's some football. Andrea, also last week, Pac-12 players showed unity, listing demands in a letter to the conference that included demands for fair treatment, safety regulations, and concerns about racial justice. You saw Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields get involved with this also. Do you think this unity movement will continue to spread throughout college football and into the ACC? Yes, I wholeheartedly uh, believe that. We started seeing this uh, several months ago uh, around uh, the the murder of, of George Floyd, where you started to see more players take to social media, use their voices, and realize that they do have power. Uh, and so when you look at guys like Chiba Hubbard at Oklahoma State, who spoke out against uh, what he felt were demeaning comments from his coach, or Kylan Hill at Mississippi State speaking out about the, the Mississippi State flag, uh, changes have, have been made. And so to me, this is just the natural progression of all of this. And Trevor Lawrence, uh, and Darian Rencher at Clemson took the initiative to organize uh, a march at Clemson, and now they're taking the initiative in this new player-led movement, uh, We Want to Play, combined with um, We Are United, which the Pac-12 uh, players launched. And so essentially, uh, they're looking for uh, as many possible guarantees about their health, safety, and well-being in order to play football, but also now starting to talk a lot more about revenue distribution, and uh, possibly starting a union. Uh, and so I just think this goes along with the entire idea of player empowerment um, and and what they feel now um, they uh, are entitled to beyond just the scholarship. So I don't think this is going to slow down. I think there's momentum for this, and, and this is something that college chancellors and presidents uh, are going to have to get used to and now sit down and think about a new model for college athletics. In terms of player safety, we've seen a lot of schools initiate safety programs. For Syracuse specifically, players have only been working in pods to limit exposure to other players in case someone contracts COVID. Are there other ideas out there that you think would help contain this even further? Well, I just think that the players feel as if they're protocols at their schools are okay, but they worry about what happens when they start traveling and have to interact with other players who maybe aren't um, following the same types of stringent guidelines that they're following on their campuses. And so a lot of the discussion has centered around trying to get more education for the players uh, about what all of these protocols entail. Um, I do think that uh, ensuring that everybody stays on scholarship, which is something the NCAA has come out and said will happen, uh, the insurance uh, information and, and trying to make sure players are insured um, uh, for, for more than just the time that they're on campus, um, no uh, signing of, of uh, waivers that, that um, uh, risk liability waivers. Uh, those types of things, I think, are what players are looking for. But in terms of the revenue sharing um, and some of the other demands that first started with the Pac-12, that all is going to be a lot harder to come by for these players. Um, I know that the Pac-12 players met with Larry Scott and some Pac-12 officials uh, after they sent in their list of demands, and the meeting didn't really go well. And the Pac-12 is in a, a vastly different situation than the ACC in terms of several states being impacted by coronavirus and um, limits to practice right now. So and that's the other part of this is that different 
parts of the country are experiencing this in different ways. And we have seen this movement now with players saying they want to play. On the other hand, there are players who do not want to play, who have opted out, who maybe don't feel like it's appropriate right now to use their voices. So there's no way any administrator can guarantee to any player you will not get coronavirus. There is no way that they can say to any player the risk here is zero. They can try to minimize it as much as possible, um, but there are so many factors outside their control that it is going to be difficult to say, well, uh, we can guarantee you're not going to get this. I think the players understand it and realize that they will be taking on some risk. Um, you know, the other factor is long-term health effects, which we've already seen several players talk about um, who have had coronavirus, who have now had longer heart issues. That, to me, seems to be uh, where administrators and medical folks uh, are very worried about trying to play a season because they still don't know all of the long-term effects for anybody who tests positive for the coronavirus. And Andrew, we'll get you out of here on this one. In an ideal scenario, we get 11 regular season games in a college football postseason. If this actually happened, who do you see winning the ACC and how do you see Syracuse doing? Yes, I have Clemson right now winning the ACC, um, but I don't have them going undefeated. I just think that it's too difficult right now to predict any team going considering what the schedules are going to look like, uh, the truncated offseason, not knowing what type of, of shape any of these players have been in or will be in once the season starts, not knowing whether all 11 games will actually be able to be played for every single team on the schedule. And so when I sat down to try and do the win-loss uh, records, it was extremely difficult to make any projections. And quite honestly, beyond Clemson and Notre Dame, I, I felt like most games could go either way. Uh, that's how it's been in the ACC for years. And I just think that is more amplified now that we don't really know what any team is going to look like, who their starters are going to be, what if they're missing a quarterback for one game because of coronavirus. So even though right now I don't have Syracuse in a bowl game, it would not surprise me if they did make a bowl game because this season is going to be the most unpredictable because there are so many factors outside of anybody's control right now. We don't even know what rosters are going to look like for week one, but let's just hope we get to week one. Uh, I think we all want to see a season happen in as safe a way as possible. Uh, and if we don't see it in the fall, let's hope we see it in the spring. Andrea, thank you so much for coming back on the program again. ESPN.com's Andrea Adelson doing an incredible job of covering college football. Andrea, let's hope you get to talk about a college football season when you're next on. We appreciate the time. We'll speak with you soon. Thanks for having me again. Always great to speak with Andrea. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. News has been happening so quickly in the last few weeks about whether we're going to have a college football season. News on Sunday night and Monday morning said that several Power Five conferences, including the ACC, are seriously considering canceling their college football seasons because of the COVID pandemic. What do you think of the college football season being canceled this fall? The short answer is, Wes, it was inevitable. There was simply too much risk and liability at stake. And sources have informed us that the ACC will join the domino effect of other conferences canceling the 2020 season with an announcement coming as soon as Tuesday morning. And there's certainly no surprise there. Once independent Connecticut canceled its season last week, 
once the Group of Five Mid-American Conference canceled its season over the weekend, once the Power Five commissioners met on Sunday night, once the uh, Big Ten announced its intention to move forward by a 12-2 vote to cancel the season, again, it was simply inevitable that the Pac-12, the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC would join suit. Simply too much risk and liability for these presidents and chancellors and board of trustees at the various institutions to move forward with the 2020 season. Now, I know the players have come out saying, we want to play in a united front late Sunday night, Monday morning, where players from the major Power Five conferences got together, put out statements on social media, stating along the lines that they felt safer playing college football this year than not. So there were certainly mixed messages there. But in the end, this comes down to risk, liability, the medical situations that surround the health and safety of these student-athletes on college campuses to make this final decision that the 2020 season has to be canceled. Wow, Brad, that's huge news about the ACC. And I just want to talk to you about earlier on Monday, Dino Bapers had his press conference. Did anything significant come from it? Well, certainly at the time of the press conference at lunch hour on Monday, off day for the Syracuse football program, and to Dino Babers, it was status quo. But as we've said, the news is changing almost by the hour, and these were the type of comments that, you know, he he had to address at that time. There was no official uh, announcement or no official go-ahead from the university administration uh, to give any sort of different news. But one takeaway I would say from uh, the Dino Babers press conference was this, looking ahead to whether or not they would play football in the spring. And that's certainly a question now that's on the minds of everyone in the NCAA and college football. With the 2020 fall season canceled, could they move games to the spring? And my thoughts on that are this. If you have a just only conference games, even if it was five conference games, even if it was seven, I just don't see how that's practical for a number of reasons. If they start practice in January, February, try to play games in, let's say, a March, April type of time frame, try to even consider bowl games or the college football playoff in May, one of the problems is around the country, stadiums and facilities. Many of the stadiums in the Big Ten in cold-weather climates are shut down for the winter. And so these, these facilities would have to be reengaged to be able to host events such as a college football game. I simply don't see how practical that is with all the costs involved. And the other factor, I think, if you talk about health and safety of players is, well, can they play two kinds of – two different seasons – in one calendar year. It's certainly different when you have spring practice, X amount of practice sessions allowed by the NCAA. You have X amount of those practice sessions involving hitting in pads and helmets. A certain amount of those practices are more walkthroughs or going over schemes and that sort of thing. But I think when you talk about college football players playing two different seasons in the same calendar year, I just do not see the practicality in that at all. 
And Brad, we are right at the end of our show, your closing thoughts. Well, Wes, of course, we've been talking and concentrating on college football, but what's next? What are the thoughts going to be on the college basketball season? Syracuse begins practice, or at least is scheduled to begin preseason practice, in late September. Then the first exhibition games are in late October, early November, and already some of the dates of the November schedule have been released for the early part of that month. Again, I'm going to go back to something we discussed in a previous podcast. Until that they have this COVID-19 vaccine in, in order, and until that's distributed nationally to everybody, I simply, again, don't see how college sports can take place on college campuses when you have, in certain cases, other student body on campus and some of the same situations regarding a basketball team as a football team. Certainly basketball is not as large as football, but the health and safety of student athletes is paramount. And all it takes is one athlete to to be contagious and affect the rest of his or her team. So I think the next big question mark looms around college basketball, and that will certainly be very interesting in the weeks ahead. Brad, my closing thoughts are away from football and on 2022 basketball recruit Riley Mulvey, who picked up an offer from Syracuse over the weekend. He's 6'10", 230 pounds from the Albany area, and is a three-star recruit according to 24-7 Sports. He currently holds offers from Iowa, Massachusetts, Yale, and Siena, among other schools. If he committed to Syracuse, he would join 2022 five-star recruit Dior Johnson in that class. Congratulations to him on the Cuse offer. That's it for us. For Brad Bierman, this is Wes Chang reminding you that you should never run with scissors, and I would also add hopping, swimming, and rolling to that list. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.